it. Hey, if you got your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 1. We're starting a brand new series today called Off the Chain. Everybody say Off the Chain. Subtitle is Choosing Freedom Every Day. Now, I can tell this is a faith-filled church ready to hear the Word of God. No, no, you don't have to say it. I can just tell. I can tell you're ready. You're ready. And for the next six weeks, we're going to be studying the book of Galatians. One, put, one person said, Galatians is the Christian declaration of independence. This book is, is all about freedom. And my prayer is not only that you would get free over the course of these next six weeks, which I'm praying chains are going to fall off, the things that have held you down for so long are going to come off, but my greatest prayer is that you will get free and stay free. Can I get an amen on that one? So this is the challenge. Let me just say this real quick before, before we go any further. This is the challenge that I want to I kind of lay out before our campus here. Over the next six weeks as we dive into this book of Galatians, here's the challenge that I want to present to us as a church. Would you join me in reading Galatians once a week, every week? Would you do that? Once a week, every week. Now, if you go and you look, the book of Galatians is really not that big. It's six chapters. It's six chapters. I actually read all of Galatians uh, in one day this week, and it took me maybe about 25 minutes to read the whole thing all the way through. If, uh, how many have the Bible app? Like you have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone. Uh, if, you, if you don't know this, your Bible app can actually read the Bible to you. And you can get through Galatians 1 in about 3 minutes and 38 seconds. So anybody in here is like, man, that's a lot you're asking. 3 minutes and 38 seconds out of your day to go and read through Galatians. What would it look like if we as a church would read Galatians once a week all the way through for 6 weeks, 6 times 6 is 36 times that we've read through Galatians. What kind of church would we look like If we did that, come on, I threw down a gauntlet. Can we pick it up? Can we go for this? I thank God to do some awesome stuff. So if you've been looking like, I don't know what to read, I'm telling you, this is what we're going to read. Let's go through Galatians as a church. And here's the cool thing. There's six chapters, and guess how many days are in a week? Seven. And so this is my challenge. Let's read it for six days, and on that seventh day, you can either rest or you can catch up. All right, either way, however way it goes. And then on this seventh day when we come... I'm going to preach on it. And so you're going to get Galatians and Galatians and more Galatians. And we're going to pray that God's going to do something really awesome in that. Hey, if you're in Galatians, say I'm there. All right, let's read together. Galatians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 1. And we're going to go through to verse 9 with me. If you got your notes, wave them at me just so I can see them real quick. Good. Oh, yeah. Do it when I preach just so I can know. All right. So it says this, Paul. So who's writing? Set it out. Good. Okay. Just make sure. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. Now he switches gears a little bit in verse 6, and this is what he says. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to, there's three words, to a what? To a different gospel. It's actually the title of today's message. A different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Now here's what you need to know. In the New Testament, 
there's, there's the Gospels. In the Old Testament, the Old Testament is just them saying, the, the Savior is coming, the Savior is coming, the Savior is coming. So if you're new to church, let me just fill you in and not act like you know what this book is. So in the, in the Old Testament, is, is all before Jesus came. And so all of the scriptures of the New Testa- Old Testament are, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. The Gospels, which is four really different point of views, angles, is the declaration that Jesus is here. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Jesus is here. Old Testament, Jesus coming. Gospels, Jesus is here. Then Acts and Romans and beyond shows, begin to show that Jesus has now ascended into the heavens. And now Jesus is living through us, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul gets saved. We'll share a lot more of his story as we get into this series. He, he used to not have the name Paul. He used to be another guy. And we'll, we'll talk more about that in detail later on. But Paul then is a missionary, an apostle that goes in and plants churches. And he writes letters. They're called epistles. That's not the wife of the apostles, just so you know. Um, epistles, he writes letters to churches, encouraging them, praying for them, giving them instruction. And the book of Galatians is actually one of 13 epistles that he writes. Now the thing that's different is of the 14, 13 epistles that he wrote, Galatians is a little different because it is the only letter that he writes not to a specific church or to a specific people, but to a group of churches. See, Ephesians is to the Ephesus church. And Romans is to the Roman church. Galatians, though, is to the area of Galatia. Now, the area of Galatia is like modern-day Turkey nowadays. And, and Paul was writing to all of the churches. That would be like Pastor Bubba writing a letter to all of our churches, Eunice and Crowley and Jennings. That's, this is what it would kind of be like. He's writing a letter to all of the churches in Galatia. And so it's, it's going to take on a pretty different tone, and you'll see this in just a minute. But before we go, let's pray. So, Father, we pray, God, in this short time that we have together, that you would illuminate your word, open your word. Let us help us to see Jesus. Help us to know Jesus. God, open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts to receive Jesus. But, God, I thank you that your desire is that the Spirit of God takes the Word of God and makes the people of God like the Son of God. God, would you do that today? Would you take the Word of God And as your people, will you make us more like Jesus today? And if you believe that with me, would you say amen? Amen. Now, I'm a pretty laid-back dude. um, I'm a pretty casual guy. I I, I don't get teed off pretty easily. I'm pretty, Jamie actually taught me this word, fauchade. I don't get fauchade. He taught me a lot of other words, too, but I won't share them with you because we're in church. Um, All right. I'm, pretty, I'm a pretty cool, chilled out kind of guy. It takes a lot to get under my skin. Um, but there are a couple things that do get under my skin. How many of you have pet peeves? Just things when people do it a lot or do it in your presence. It's just like, it kind of like, you know what I mean? Kind of it's in your crawl a little bit and you kind of want to go off sometimes. You know, there's things that you want to do. You want, you want to say some things sometimes. Jesus is not all right with you in those moments. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Don't judge me. I mean, y'all over here like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, <laughs> shut up. Um, I have some pet peeves. I'll let you in on a couple of them, okay? Since last week I gave you my, or two weeks ago I gave you my nicknames, and some of you have been using that against me, and that's why they're not here today. Um, I'll give you some of, uh, some of my pet peeves, just so you can know how to, how to really get underneath my skin. Loud chewers. Can I get an amen on this one? Specifically, ice chewers. Ice chewers. My wife is like, that's me. That is her. She's an ice chewer. Um, any, any type of loud chewing. And, and the crazy thing is, I, I actually get very perturbed about it, but my jaw is like, dis- <laughs> it's kind of weird. It's like not aligned correctly, so when I chew, my jaw pops. It actually pops every time I chew. Um, and so my wife's like, I can hear you chewing. And so, I, but I get mad when other people, chips, you know what I mean? Any, 
Okay, all right. So that's a big one, all right? So if we're going to go eat together, I just want to let you know. Anybody, anybody have somebody in your family, they're a loud chewer, and it's just kind of drive, you know, it's just kind of, you have to like look the other way or turn on music or something just to turn the TV up a little louder. Okay, all right, all right. Um, slow drivers, slow drivers, it's another one. Anybody in with this one? This is the Texas and me coming out, okay? We got five lanes for a reason. Okay, there's five lanes because two of them are designated for all of you turtles and the three of, actually one, one is designated for the turtles and all of, all of the rabbits over here in the four other lanes, that's how we drive. And so I came from Houston, Houston traffic to Jennings traffic. I mean like nobody in a hurry, nobody. No, nobody's, and I'm like, let's go. We got to get places. We got to get, we got to do things. Y'all with me here? All right. Ain't nothing more perturbing than being in the fast lane behind a slow person. And if anybody's ever tried to follow me to an event, I apologize already. I am known for being the worst person to follow behind because I just leave everybody. I, I like the NASCAR of drifting behind 18-wheelers. Just so much better. Save gas and all that. So much, so much easier. Um, so slow drivers is another one. T-ball with a five-year-old. That's, that can get under my skin too. Anybody had played T-ball with a bunch of little kids? Okay, all right. Losing. That's another one that I don't like. How many of you feel that one? Losing is like second place is first losers, right? Okay. Yeah, I, 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 get, I that, get that way. I'm, I'm in T-ball with my son right now. It's like herding cats. Um, so the other day we're playing and, 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 and Judah hits it and, and he, he, he runs to first base, but he just, just decides they, they, they stop the ball. I mean, he like hit it to the pitcher and he's running like first, second, third. He, don't, he just keep on running. We have to tell, stop. So he stops on second base, and then the guy behind the guy next batter hits it, and Judah just stands on second base, and the guy runs oh, past Judah. I'm like, run! So Lindsay's like, he's so confused. Do you stop? Do you run? Do you not run? What are you doing here? So anyways, as a guy who played baseball at the time, I'm pretty frustrated. Um, but it's all about Paul's patience, or my patience, and all that. I say all that because in Galatian, th- this Galatian letter is a little different than all of the other ones because in all of the other letters that Paul writes, he usually gives, he always, you go and look at all of the 13 letters that Paul wrote, and he always starts this way, Paul, an apostle, because when you're reading a scroll, you weren't going to put your name at the end because you'd be like, who wrote this? Who wrote this? Okay, oh, Paul. So he puts it at the beginning. Just want to let you know it's Paul. And then he always starts off with this whole grace to you and this kind of prayer for people. And then usually after that, he would be doing things like, hey, I'm praying for you, some kind of encouragement, some kind of, hey, would you be praying for me? Not in this one. This, this brother is teed off. Paul is ticked. He's, something's in his crawl. He is upset. And if you look in verse 6, you'll see for a minute what he is so upset about. Verse 6 says, I am astonished. Another version says, I marvel. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him. Now, now you got to imagine, any of y'all have people that text or Facebook and they do it in all caps? That's another thing that kind of ticks me off too. If, since we're getting all this out, confession's good for the soul. Let me just go ahead. Do you know that when you do that, it's like shouting at all the time? Lower, lower caps. You can use lower caps. The crazy thing is if you go and look in Galatians chapter 6, Paul at the end of his letter says, did you notice I wrote in all caps? We'll read it in a couple weeks. Did you notice that I wrote in all big, large letters? Why? Because he's mad. And he's mad for a good reason. He's mad. He says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ. And you're turning to a different gospel. 
So this is what was happening. Paul went in, started all these churches, got all these people saved. These churches are starting, they're flourishing. And then all of a sudden, there's a group of guys called Judaizers. There's men from Jerusalem. These were Jewish men. They were Judaizers, and they came into Galatia, and they would come to these church services, and they would see all of these Gentile heathens that had gotten saved, and, and they would sit there in the service and hear them, and then they would grab them after service, and they'd go, hey, man, hey, man, I, I hear you're saved. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hear you say, well, tell me a little bit about it. And they tell them what Paul did. And man, we just, you know, in faith and Jesus and Christ and that's all it was. And they're like, well, listen, let me tell you something here. Um, Paul, bless his heart, bless his heart. He's, he's a good guy. But you know, he, he kind of didn't tell you everything. Oh, there's more? Yeah, there's a little bit more to this that you need to kind of know about. Oh, really? What's going on? Well, see, here's the deal. If you really want to get into heaven you got to become a Jew. you got to become a Jew. Like, what are you talking about? What does that mean? Well, here's the deal. you got to obey all the dietary laws, and you got to get <coughs> circumcised. <clears throat> Wait, come again? <coughs> circumcised. Circumcised? Yes, you have to be circumcised. How many of you know church membership would be at an all-time low? <laughs> hey, Connect 101, meet us after service, guys. Circumcision. We're going to take care of this. Make sure you get into heaven. <laughs> and that's what's happening. These Judaizers are going in and they're saying, hey, Jesus plus circumcision is salvation. Or Jesus plus not eating pigs is salvation. They're adding to what Paul is saying. Paul's going, no, faith in Christ and what Jesus has done is enough. And they're going, you know what? That's a little too easy. It's a little watered down. He's kind of watering it down. You need to become a Jew. And so Paul is in a, in a, he's in a whole other region, and he hears about this, and he's ticked. He's ticked. And so he writes this letter to the Galatians telling them, how do you desert him, meaning Jesus, how do you desert Jesus, who's called you in the grace of Christ, and you're turning to a different gospel? The great reformer Martin Luther King, not Martin Luther King, no, Martin Luther said, as sinners... We are prone to pursue a relationship with God one of two ways. The first is through religion and spirituality, and the second is the gospel. But here's the thing. These two are opposites in every way. So here's the key question that we need to ask. It's in your notes. This is the question that we're going to answer today. How am I going to become godly? See, all religions have some kind of pathway to godliness, all of them. Every religion on the planet has some type of pathway that they say, if you do this, if you obey this, if you do it this way, then you will be good with God. And, and most people choose pathways like all of the other religions, but the truth is there's only one path. There's only one. The Bible's very clear that there is only one gospel. There's not multiple different types and however you want to word it. There's one gospel. One and today what I want to do is I want us to make this extremely practical, but I think it's going to be extremely powerful because here's the, here's, the, here's the tendency we have. We have the tendency over the past four or five months, you've heard the statistics, we've had 111 salvations in the past five months. 111. That's exciting. That's great. And, and people receive the gospel in the right way. They come into the faith in that right gospel, but we all... We all have the tendency to go back to another gospel. We all do. I do. You do. Even though we receive it in the right one, we all have a tendency to go back to another gospel, to feel like, you know what? That was a little too easy. I think I need to do more, or I need to add more, or I need to take away. And so I, wanna, I want us to spend the rest of our time going through what's the difference between religion, which is Jesus plus whatever, you add a bunch of religious activities to help save you. What's the difference between religion and the gospel? So let's, let's go. Let's dive right into this. Number one, religion focuses on earning God's approval, whereas the gospel focuses on receiving God's love. The Gallup did a study, and they found that Americans have different views of God based off of actually different places of geography in our nation. If you're in Seattle or if you're in New York or if you're in Louisiana, each different area, people have a general different type of view of how they view God. 
predominantly, you want to know what the view of God was in the South? Here's the predominant view of God, that God is mad at you. That God's mad at you. The look says it all. How, how many know countenance trumps words? I had, a, uh, I had a dad that had the look. He had the look. It, it, it said something without saying something. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Any dads in here have that same look? You know, we could be out to, out to eat, you know, after, you know, go to church and it's awesome and go out to eat lunch with people. And I could be doing something stupid and my dad would just have to look at me. He would just, he would just look. I, I, he wouldn't even have to say anything. He just would look at you and you're like, busted. Y'all know what I mean? And, and from that point on, it, it, it was almost like his eyes were saying like, son, I'm going to minister to you when we get home. I will be laying hands on you. You will never be the same. And you know, like as a kid, when you see that look and you know, like, oh, busted. You, there's, there's an automatic, like, food just doesn't have any more taste. It just lost all of its taste. You're, you're, and you're like, I'm on, I'm on death row. I mean, this is death row right here. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, and you're trying to like, you know, the people, he's just chatting it up and, you know, laughing with the people. And you're trying to like send signals to the people like, you're with a killer. Watch out. <laughs> Stay away. And then you know how it is like all the way to drive home. You're like, nobody's saying anything. You're not saying anything. And you're like, you're interceding before the Lord that your dad would forget. Y'all know what I mean? And then you would get home. Never fails. You'd get home, and my younger brother would be like, hey, Dad, you remember? And then my dad would be like, oh, yeah. Like, I hate you. But the look said it all. And when it comes to our relationship with God, you know what? I can understand that God has to accept me. I mean, he made me. He's got to accept me. He made me. The thing that I struggle with is the fact that he approves of me. And, and facial countenance, smiling, is a, is a view of approval. Let me ask you this. What if, what if you knew that God was smiling at you? How would that change the way you view God? How would that change the way you interact with him? Because can I tell you, there's nowhere in Scripture that you'll find Jesus angry with a believer. Nowhere. Nowhere. Now, here's the deal. Apart from Jesus, there is judgment. There is wrath. He does turn his face away from us. That's why when he came on the cross, the Bible says that God the Father actually turned his face from his son. Why? Because he had wrath, he had sin, all the sin of the world was on him, and so God turns away from them. But the gospel is the focus that God took on that wrath. And so because he took on that wrath, when I accept what Jesus did on my behalf, I am forever in God's approval, and he's always smiling at me, even when he knows that I sin. Now, does God love sin? No, absolutely not. He sent his son to die an excruciating death for us. But God still loves us even in the midst of sin. And I'm going to tell you this. Your view of God will determine your relationship with God. How you view God will determine your relationship with God. I promise you. Some of you are in here and you're in worship and you're thinking, you know what, I can't really raise my hands. I really can't clap because I think I'll be a hypocrite. Because, I mean, what I did this week, there's no way that I could really enter into worship because of where I've, where I've been and what I've done. But when you understand how much God loves you, it changes the way that you relate to him. Let me show you. Romans 5, verse 8. We've, we've read this scripture so many times, but we want to keep coming back to this. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. This is how he demonstrates his love for you, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, here's what we've got to understand. Listen, this is what we've got to get. He didn't wait for you to change to start loving you. He didn't wait for you to change to start loving you. He loves you so you can change. We've got to get this right. If you're on the wrong side, it's going to go bad. He didn't wait for you to change to love you. He loves you so that you can change. You don't get your act together so you can get to God. You get to God so you can get your act together. 
Come on, I'm preaching really good. This is some good stuff. Come on, Pastor Josh. You don't, you don't clean yourself up and then come to God. You come to God with all your junk, and he cleans you up. Amen. That's what church is all about, broken, sinful people coming into a place going, we all need Jesus. So you should never feel judged here. You know why? Because we're all judged. We all fall short. We all don't make it. We all don't add up. We all sin. We all got issues. That's why we come to church. We come to church not because we got our act together. We come to church to help, for him to help us get our act together. And so when you understand that religion focuses on earning God's approval, that somehow like you coming here to church, God's like, ooh, he came to church. Oh, I'm going to bless him today. I'm telling you, we think like this. Hey, God, did you see I gave in the tithe? Did you see that? Give me the raise. Give me the raise. You saw that? No, I'm, I'm serious. Like, like we put God in our debt. Hey, God, you saw I served with all them babies today. You know, whatever you've done this week, here's my encouragement. Just run to Jesus. Whether it's good or bad, run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Let's read this other verse, 1 John four nineteen. Your kids could learn this one. My kids learned this one. This is one we say in our house all the time. We love because he first loved us. See, the reason why I worship is not based on what I did or didn't do this week. I, I worship because of what he's done already. Amen. And Jesus, I've already got his approval. You are already approved, which means you don't need it from somebody else. I don't need approval from, you don't have to like me. And I'm okay with that. I would like you to like me, but you don't have to like me because Jesus already likes me and loves me. And so I don't, I'm not looking for other people to give this to me. I'm not trying to earn it from God because I already know he smiles. I wake up in the morning, he's like, good morning, man. You're my favorite. I'm his favorite. I don't know if you knew that, but I'm his favorite. And you are too. The Bible says you're maybe not as much, but you're like, you're close. Bible says we're the apple of his eye. So religion focuses on earning God's approval, whereas the gospel over here is about receiving God's love. Man, God just loves me. You don't earn anything. And here, let me tell you something. If you didn't have to earn it, you can't lose it. That was for free. Okay. All right. Number two. Let's do this. Religion is about what you do, and the gospel is about what Jesus has done. So if religion is all about what you do, then this is how this plays out. You start measuring your worth based off of what you do or don't do. Religion always leads to uncertainty about my standing before God because I never know if I've done enough to please him. Y'all with me here? If my relationship with God, how I'm going to be holy, is based off of what I do or don't do, how do you ever know if you've done enough? It's exhausting. It's exhausting. I counsel more people that are walking away from the faith because they say, you know what, I've tried all this church stuff. And, I've, I, you know, I, I came in and I served and I gave and I did all that. And, you know, what, God hasn't done nothing for me. And I'm going, man, you were all up in religion trying to do stuff to earn stuff when you didn't realize you already had it. You didn't have to earn it in the first place because Jesus has already done it. And how, that's what of a sick cycle that we're in that we feel like we've got to do stuff to earn things. And, man, I was there. That's my life. I think that's why I have such a disdain and such a heart for people that are far from God. Let me tell you the people that are farthest from God. When we hear far from God, most of us think of, you know, People prostitute and adulterating and those that are all, all strung out on drugs and those that are in the jail. And that When we think, man, let's reach people far from God. That's what you think of. But can I tell you the people that are farthest from God? That's not them. The people that are the farthest from God are the people that had just enough God to know who he is, but not enough to actually surrender to him. Amen. And that is most of your private schools. That is most of where they, they know enough 
to know what they should and shouldn't be doing, but they know too much to actually do anything about it. That's a, and it's actually more of a Pharisee than it is anything. And that, my heart breaks for those type of people. You know why? Because I was. I was the kid who did all the, you know, if you had a checklist of me versus somebody else, like, you know, I didn't do drugs in school, and I saved myself for my wife, and I, you know, I just go through all these different things that I, I thought, you know, because I'm doing this, like, God should be proud of me. Like, I'm definitely one of his favorites because I didn't go and do all these things like all these other people did. And it wasn't until I got encountered with the gospel to know that that really doesn't even matter. You know, the person that Jesus used almost the most in all of Scripture is Paul. And Paul killed people. I mean, we'll get into his story a little bit later, more and more. But I'm telling you, there, this, isn't, this isn't about doing. It's about understanding what's been done. Let's look at this verse. 1 John 5, 3 and 12. It says, this is love for God. Let me tell you what love for God is. It's to obey his commands. Now watch this, though, because you hear obey his commands, you think, oh, God, obey his commands. Come on, man. But watch what it says. And his commands are not what? Come on, let's say it out loud. They're not burdensome. He who has the son, that's Jesus, he who has the son, what does he have? Come on, let's say it. Life. And he who does not have the son of God does not have life. So our obedience to want to do things, they're not burdensome. Let me, let me tell you how this works. It's not burdensome if it's love. Y'all with me? It's not burdensome if it's love. Everything changes because of love. Let me tell you, if you're in here and you're doing anything for God and it's burdensome, it's probably because it's not out of love. It's out of duty. And anything out of duty gets exhausting, tiring, and you just don't want to do it anymore. But anything out of love is a joy. It's a joy. It's a joy. We don't come to church because we have to. We come to church because we want to. And when you understand the gospel, it changes everything from a got to to a get to. Y'all with me? When you understand what Jesus has done for you, it's not a I got to do this. It's I get to do this. I don't stand up here on the stage and I'm not a pastor here at this church because I got to. I'm a pastor at this church because I get to, because I want to. Other days I don't want to, yes, and I have to remind myself of the gospel that it's more than me. It's not about me. Let's go to number three, religion's goal. Let's talk about religion's goal. Religion's goal is to get God's gifts. It's to get God's gifts. The gospel's goal is to get God. Some good stuff. Look at this, John 5. John 5, verse 39, it says this. It says, you diligently study the scriptures. Now, now Jesus is speaking to a group of, of, of Pharisees, a group of men who know the scriptures well. The Pharisees would be ones that, that memorized the Torah. Paul was one of those guys who memorized the Torah. I don't know how many of you have memorized Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Anybody in here? If I'm not mistaken, probably most of you got into Numbers. You're like, I'm out. I'm gone. Okay, these guys had it memorized. And this is what he tells them. So listen, all that are in here like, man, I don't know a lot about the Bible. It, it, it's not about knowing all about the Bible. Let me show you what it is all about. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them, this is the key thing, by them that you possess eternal life. But watch what he says. But these are the scriptures that testify about who? What does it say? About me. Yet you refuse to come to who? Me. To me to have life. To have life. He's telling them, listen, when, when you read your Bible, you're going into reading your Bible for the goal of having more knowledge. And he says, what is it to have more knowledge if you don't meet the person of the Bible? See, I don't go to read my Bible, and I'm not thinking, man, how much am I going to read? I'm thinking, how much of Jesus can I get? That's the difference between religion and the gospel because if, if, if reading the Bible is a burdensome task for you, you know why? Because you think it's a duty. You think you have to in order to, to get something because God won't be pleased. You know, they say you need to read your Bible, so I gotta read my Bible and I gotta pray. And if you do that, you're gonna miss the whole point of reading the Bible, which is not to get more knowledge to have a bigger head. It's to get more Jesus to have a changed heart. 
Affections matter. And in the reading of the word, here's the question. You can write this in your notes. When you read the Bible, here's the question you need to ask. Am I getting Jesus? Am I getting Jesus in your prayer life? Are you getting Jesus? Jesus is the point of everything that we do. Why do we serve here? To give Jesus. Why do we give? To bless and honor and obey Jesus. Why do we do these things? Because these aren't just commands of ours. These are the desires of our heart to be people that want to know God. I want to know God more. So here's the thing. It's not about how much you read. It's how much do you get. You could read one sentence in the Bible and God just wrecks you. You could read 50 chapters and it's just like you read a magazine. So my encouragement is let's go into scripture praying, God, show me Jesus today. I want to be more like Jesus today. Help me in this. So let's talk about this. So if religion is these three things and the gospel is the three opposite things, remember he's saying you're deserting the gospel and you're going to a different gospel, a different one. He's going, there's only one gospel. Let's get the practical side of how this plays out for us. How do we be people who live off of the chain? And let me tell you, if you haven't realized what I'm trying to get you off the chain today, I'm trying to get you free from religion today. That's what I'm trying to get you free of. And we all have a tendency to go right back to it. So freedom today, we're trying to get free from religion. How do we get free from religion? Let me show you. Number one, fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. I know you hear it all the time. And I know here's the question you're asking. How? How? Well, let me tell you two things that make me love Jesus more. One is reflecting on who he is. Who is he? To me, God's been a father. He's been a friend. He's been a provider. I mean, I can just go down the list. He's been faithful. He's been good. He's been merciful. He's been my healer. Who is he? That's who he is. He is God. But I'm going to tell you the second thing that I, that I always come back to as well is, what has he done? What has God done in your life? You want to fall more in love with Jesus? Just, just get out a journal and just start writing down the things that God's done in you. See, when I see God, I see a God who loves me, who approves of me, who took on my sin, who, who gave me life, who gave me joy, who gave me his spirit. I mean, what do I see when I think about what he's done for me, that he's paid for my sins? And last time I checked, no one was in line to pay for my sins. None of y'all stood up to the plate. Nobody wants to pay for my sins here. He's the only guy that's done that. He's the only one that's ever done that. Because the truth is, Christianity is not an invitation to get more religious. Christi Christianity is an invitation to get to know Jesus. Amen. It's an invitation to life. It's an invitation to love. It's an invitation to joy. And if, and if serving Jesus hasn't been fun and full of life, you've been in religion. Religion sucks. Religion kills. Can I say that? Is that okay? I don't know. Everybody and their kids were like, oh, my God. I just, I'm sorry. But it, let me put it this way. It sucks the life out of you. It sucks the joy of serving Jesus out of you. It kills everything in your life because everything is, is motivated by trying to gain something that you already have. So we fall in love with Jesus. Let me show you that. Man, this is a scripture that spoke to me this week. What, read this. Uh, John. Let's put that one up. John 14, 15. Now watch this. I want to show you something that's changed me so much. Every time I read this scripture, I saw it a certain way. So watch what it says. If you love me, you will obey what I command. If you love me, you'll obey what I command. Now let me show you how this has played out in my life growing up. My thought was, reading this passage, if you love me, you'll be a good little boy and obey all my commands. Anybody else in here have read it that way? If you love me, you'll be a good little boy and you'll do what I tell you to do. You know, kind of like we tell you kids. Like, if you love me, you'll go clean your, you know, like that type of thing. If you love me, you'll obey what I command. But I, wanna, I want you to notice something here, and I highlight it, and it's really small and you can't see it. There's actually a comma after me. And this is what it, this is really what God began to show me. If you love me, you will obey what I command. 
There's a different motivation there because this is how we actually read it. You obey what I command, then you'll love me. But that's not what he says. He says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Here's the question that I want to ask. What side of the comma are you on? This side over here is religion. If you obey my commands, then you'll love me and I'll love you. This side is the gospel. Jesus loves you. Remember, we love Jesus because? Come on, say it. Because? Okay, so this just says, if you love me. Well, how am I going to love God? By realizing how much he loves me first. And if, if I understand how much he loves me and I love him, guess what the natural byproduct of that's going to be? I will obey his commands. What side of the comma are you on? Obedience brings love or love brings obedience. This is in order for a reason. If you love me, you will obey my commands. It's, it's like I don't wake up every morning and go like, Josh, don't commit adultery. Don't commit adultery, Josh. Stop it. Don't. Quit. Because I naturally fight to love my wife and my wife loves me, I don't have to like, quit it, Josh, because I'm not looking for it. (laughs) I love my wife. I love her. So I'm not looking for it in every other place because I absolutely love her. And so when she says, hey, can you bathe the boys? I'm like, oh, bathe the boys. Now, sometimes I do. Okay, let me just... I don't want to be a lying preacher, so okay, let me get this out there. Yes, I do. I do do that. Caught me right when I did. Okay, I don't want to lie. But yet, even in that, the opportunity is to come and go, if, if I love you, then this should be a joy for me to serve you. It should be a joy. So we're going to fall in love with Jesus by reflecting on who he is and what he's done. Number two, and we'll wrap this thing up. Don't allow condemnation. If you want to break off of the chain of religion and live free, you got to fall in love with Jesus. And you got to not allow condemnation. Because here's, listen to me. As soon as I finish this sermon, the devil is going to do to you what he did to Eve. Because what God said to Eve and Adam, you can eat of the tree of life or you can eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat this tree because you'll die. Stay and eat this tree and have everything else that you want. And as soon as God left, what the, the serpent came in and said, he don't know what he's talking about. He don't know. He's lying to you. Because he knows if you eat that tree, guess what you'll be like? You'll be like God. And notice that the serpent didn't didn't tempt her with rebellion. He tempted her to be like God. He tempted her with godliness. You want to be like God? Hey, go eat this. Same thing that religion does. You want to be like God? Well, go to church all the time. You want to be like God? Well, you need to pray. Now, yet again, don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that none of that is true because I want you here every week. I want you in your Bible every day. I want you spending time. But I don't want that to be a motivation to try to earn something. I want that to be the motivation because you already have something. Y'all with me here? And condemnation, let me tell you how condemnation works. Condemnation and religion are constantly comparing and constantly competing. How do you know if you're in religion? Because you're constantly comparing and you're constantly competing. See, because this is how it works. You're constantly comparing your worthiness based off of other people's ungodliness. So listen to me. Any of you could feel really good right about now by comparing yourself to anybody else that's not doing anywhere near as good as you. But here's the funny thing. Most of us never compare ourselves to people who are doing way better than us. Some of us do. Some of us do. Like, oh, I'm not as godly as Pastor Josh is. Oh, I'm not as godly as whoever. You know, I'm just, just, I'm just a little struggling sinner here. And we have that mentality, or we go to the other side where we go, hey, man, God must love me because I'm not as bad as, you know, my neighbor over here. I mean, his, his marriage is a wreck. Y'all with me here? 
And condemnation and religion will put you into those two camps, constantly competing and constantly comparing. And it's bad either way. Both of them are bad either way. Religion either ends in pride, because I think I'm better than other people, or ends in despair, because I continually fall short of God's commands. Romans 8 says this, and this is, man, this is the promise for all of us that know Jesus, all of us that have surrendered our life to Jesus. This is the promise that you have. This is Paul writing again, and he says, therefore, there is now, 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 no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, what does it say? It gives what? Who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. See, because the gospel ends in humble and confident joy because of the power of Jesus. I am weak and he is strong. Humility, it's always being humble. Here's my encouragement with condemnation because like I said, after this message, condemnation is gonna come. Things are going to come your way. When you go home, condemnation is going to come. You wake up tomorrow, condemnation is going to come. You're not good enough. You're not this enough. If they really knew what this was going on, if they knew, they wouldn't be saying this. We would be doing this. And let me encourage you to do this. I love doing this. And, you know, you, you probably do this if you have a Facebook. You probably do this. There's just people you don't want to follow. There's people who want to follow you. And what do you do? Block. 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 Block, block, unfriend, 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 unfriend. So when condemnation comes, guess what you need to do? Block, 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 unfriend, unfriend, unfriend. I ain't taking that. I ain't taking that on me because Scripture says there's no condemnation, no condemnation, no condemnation. I'm set free. I have life. There's no condemnation there. And last but not least, number three, let's wrap this up, is, is choose life every day. Choose life every day. Let me show you the scripture. Deuteronomy 30, 19. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I've, I have set before you. Now look what it says. I've set before you life and death. This is what God is doing right now. He's setting before every person in this room life and death, blessings and curses. Now look at this thing. He's going to encourage you with this. Now choose life. Choose life. Can I tell you tomorrow morning when you wake up, you're going to have a decision on whether you choose life or choose death. Choose blessings or choose cursings. You're going to have an opportunity to choose. And this whole idea of getting free, let me tell you what this is. It's not you being passive and God just doing all this stuff in your heart. He will do stuff, but you have an active participation in this to be free. Because if you don't want to be free, guess what? You won't. But the way that you get free is you wake up every day. I'm going to love Jesus today. I'm not going to allow condemnation to come my way. And I'm going to choose life. I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to choose peace. I'm going to make the choice today to not live in regret. I'm not going to make the choice of living in past sins because Jesus forgave all that. So I'm going to live set free. I'm going to live in his approval. I'm going to live in his, his love. I'm choosing that. Leviticus 26, 13, our last verse. Come on, this is a word for some of you right here. This is what he says. Some of you need to write this down this week and you need to recite Leviticus 26, 13. It says this, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves. And I broke the yoke of slavery from your neck. Now watch this so you can walk with your heads held high. Come on, that's a word. God no longer wants you to be slave to sin, slave to self, slave to whatever addictions you're facing. And God's broke that. When Jesus bore your sins and my sins on the cross and he came out of that grave victoriously, guess what he said? Free! And everybody who believes in me will be free and free indeed. That is my prayer as this series prolongs, that we will see you get free, that you will no longer hold your head down, but you will hold your head high knowing that Jesus loves you, Jesus forgave you, Jesus wants to make you new. And some of you are here today and you've been trying to get to God through religion. It's been duty it's been burdensome. You feel like it's just been a weight. You come in here, you don't feel right with God because of whatever's going on or whatever your past is. 
And today, God wants to set you free by hearing this gospel. And I'm gonna tell you right now, some of you may come to Jesus and you've been in church for decades. And I think God gets excited when when lost people get saved. I think he gets excited when people who are lost in church get saved. Because I wanna see you set free from religion. It's not about duty. Come on, we got better things to do on a Sunday than coming to church. Come on, let's be honest. I would, I'd love to be grilling right now, hanging out at the pool. If this is just about exercise and doing stuff, there's other things we could be doing right now. I'd love to be fishing. Come on, Jamie, we could be fishing right now. If this is duty and exercise, let's go do something else. But if this is love, if this is to get God, if this is for him to change our hearts and to use us, come on, there's no better place to be on a Sunday. There's no better place to be on a Sunday. This is where I want to be. This is where I want to be. So I want to do this with every head bowed and every eye closed. Today is the day for you to choose life. You're, you're, if, if we were to sum up the gospel and sum up salvation, really it's, it's, it's summed up with this one word, surrender. Surrender. And some of you here today, as I said, you, you've been trying to get to God. You've been trying to get godly by just doing your own thing. Some of you, have been just doing your own thing and you really could care less about God. It, maybe it hasn't even been religion for you. Maybe it's been irreligion. You, you, you're your own God. You're doing your own thing. But yet that, that repetitive cycle has only, has only brought you misery. It's only brought you pain. There's no joy in your life. It's, it's, it, it, and to be honest with you, if, if you continue on this road, you know it's gonna lead to a bad place. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus has come not only to set you free, but he's come to give you new life. And I want to invite you today, not to religion. I want to invite you into a relationship with Jesus. I want to invite you to the man who made you, spoke life into you. That as Ephesians 1 says, that has called you and has given you purpose. I want to invite you to know that man. So I want to do this with, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed. I want to give an opportunity. If that's you today, you say, either, you know what, I'm, I've been stuck in religion. It's been duty. Or maybe, you know what, I've just been doing my own thing. Either one of those. Today, I want to surrender my life to the Lord. I want to make him my Savior and the Lord of my life. If that's you, all over this place, would you just raise your hand? Just all over this place. We just want to see it. I see you. 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 Anybody else? Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. See it all over. Awesome. Come on. Let's get free today. Let's get free today. Free from religion. I see your hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Just today. I want to, come on. I see it. Thank you. Praise God. Come on. Will you just, will you just pray this with me and everybody? We're going to pray this together. This is something we need to be praying over ourselves every day. Come on. Just repeat this other me. Say, Jesus, thank you for paying my bill. Thank you for paying a debt that I owed. Today, I ask you to forgive me. I've been living life my own way. And today, I surrender completely to you. Come live inside of me. Transform me on the inside out. Thank you for setting me free. In your name, I pray. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate all of us today.